What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Lever Analytics, hosted by me, Lever KT. Got so much love from the first episode. I just wanted to thank everybody as we did the uh, off-season playbook for the Arizona Cardinals. Up next, we go in alphabetical order. You guessed it, the Atlanta Falcons. The Atlanta Falcons finished four and twelve on the season, fourth in the NFC South, and this team had a lot of potential. Uh, I was talking to one of my uh, co-hosts on R1P NFL Sunday's Moon Vibes because he's an Atlanta Falcons fan. And I'm like, the difference between a team like the Chiefs, who won a lot of one-possession games, and a, and a team like the Atlanta Falcons, who lost a lot of one-possession uh, games, is is execution. That's it. That's all. A lot of people were like, well, the Chiefs don't look the same. The Chiefs don't look the same. They had a lot of one-possession uh, wins. They won them. That's the difference. Good teams find a way to win. Bad teams find a way to lose. So let's get into it. The Atlanta Falcons' top five players are Matt Ryan. On on the salary cap for the 2021 season, Matt Ryan is due a $41 million. And even though his PFF grade is 83.1, he finished the season with 400 uh, I'm sorry, 4,581 yards, 26 touchdowns, and 11 interceptions. Not bad at all. Um, that cap number is ridiculous. We even had the owner of the Atlanta Falcons, Arthur Blank, saying, well, it's not guaranteed we're going to keep Julio Jones and Matt Ryan. I hate when organizations do that. And I'm going to give an example of when an organization did that and it backfired. Uh, I believe it was 2009, probably 2010, where the Buffalo Bills had a running back problem. They had Marshawn Lynch, they had Freddie Jackson, and, and then they just drafted the incumbent, uh, C.J. Spiller. By then, they they forced their hand. They showed their hand. They were like, "Well, we got to get rid of one of them." Everybody knew that the the odd man out was going to be Marshawn Lynch. So instead of getting the the value that they would have got for him if they kept their mouths closed and kind of worked behind doors, they got a fourth round pick. And if you remember, two thousand and ten. Fast forward the wild card round of the playoffs. That's when he made the run. That, that now everybody calls Marshawn Lynch beast mode, and I, I I hate when ownerships do that. I hate when organizations do that. Do not show your hand. This is chess, not checkers. Pay attention. But Matt Ryan, he's he's coming off a, a, a great year, and a lot of mock drafts have the Atlanta Falcons taking the quarterback in the first round. You know, at some point he'll need an heir apparent. But the one thing I think people in the NFL don't realize is that quarterbacks are playing a lot later. Typically around 34, 35, you start seeing some quarterbacks retire. Now, you know, Tom Brady is 43 and still one of the best at it. On his way to a home Super Bowl game for the first time ever. So, up next for the top five paid players on the Atlanta Falcons roster, we got Julio Jones, whose cap number this year will be $23 million. That is a lot of money. PFF grade is 86.3. A lot of people would consider this a down year for Julio Jones if you just go by numbers. And this is the reason why I love PFF because they, they get it. Yeah, 51 catches, but on 51 catches on 65 targets, and some of those targets were not catchable, if, if you know what I mean. So it's important to understand PFF and what PFF does. So they have 51 catches, 771 yards, three touchdowns, down year for Julio. But I think the reason why Arthur Blank was so comfortable to say, well, we might not be bringing him back is because the 
emergence, uh, submergence rather, of uh, Calvin Ridley, who had a fantastic all pro type of year this year. So, up next for the top five uh, Atlanta uh, paid Atlanta Falcons, we have Grady Jarrett, whose cap number is 19.1 million. That's on the on the cap for this year, but his PFF grade is 80.3. I'm a huge fan of Grady Jarrett. And even though he's an interior lineman, uh, I think he's best at the three technique, but he does play a lot of the zero technique. And later on at Glossary, I'll break down what's uh, the difference between a zero technique and a three technique. But Grady Jarrett is good at both, but I think he's better at the three technique. But he had 46 total tackles uh, and five sacks. Uh, yes, that defense leaves a lot of help. Anybody who watched any Atlanta Falcons game know that, and they could tell you that. Um, coming up in, in, in the fourth place for the most, the top five player on the Atlanta Falcons roster is Jake Matthews. His cap number, $20.2 million. He had a PFF grade of 75.5. Um, allowed three sacks on a season. That's that's not bad. And only three penalties on a season. So that means he's, he's a pretty dis- disciplined player. Uh, coming in fifth <sighs> on the top five. Uh, paid Atlanta Falcons. We got Dante Fowler Jr., whose cap number this year will be 18.5 million, PFF grade of 49.9, and his run defense is the reason why that grade is so low. PFF has him as a 39.6. He's an edge rusher. He plays. He's kind of that five, six, and seven tech technique edge rusher. And when you look at the Atlanta Falcons, their top five players, four of them, I kind of have. I have no issue with. Uh, that fifth one, Dante Fowler, that's way too much on your cap. You look at the Atlanta Falcons at this very moment as we speak, they're a negative $33 million in the hole. I think they had about $7 million in dead uh, money, which is not good. Not good at all. So one of the things uh, when I look at this Atlanta Falcons season, I kind of pay attention more to them because, like I said, one of our analysts, uh, Moon Vibes, is an Atlanta Falcons fan. So I, I will pay attention to a lot of their games. Jalen, the journalist, who who likes, uh, well, he says he likes the Patriots, but we all know he likes the Bears. Paid attention to a lot of their games and everybody else's game, because you know, within the with with within the the hierarchical system of R one P, there's a lot of trash talking stuff. They actually teased me pretty bad this weekend after my Buffalo Bills loss, but you know what? It's all good. So you gotta pay attention to their teams, because at some point, you gonna go toe to toe. With somebody, you go, you gonna want to have bragging rights over their team or, or bring up talking points about their team. So with the Atlanta Falcons, I feel like in order to move forward with the, their offseason playbook, let's take a a, a a look at how they did the 2020 season. So with the Atlanta Falcons, like I say, a lot of us know that that they just couldn't win games. They they actually found a way to to lose games, seven games by one possession. That they lost. They lost seven games by one possession. If they won all seven of those games, they are 11-5. That's crazy to me. So, we're going to go down the list. And, and we're going to go down their schedule. And they did make some key coaching changes uh, th- th- uh, throughout the uh, duration of the season. But we're going to start with week one. They lost to the Seattle Seahawks 38-25. to Do not pay attention to that score. That game was a lot closer than you may think it was. Week two <laughs> in Dallas against the Cowboys at AT&T Stadium. They lost 40-39. to 39. 
I've been watching football for a long time, and there there's you know games that will always you know stick out stick out to me. Being a Bills fan, that come back against the Houston Oilers in the playoffs with Frank Wright, that quarterback will stick out. This one against Week Two would always stick out. Like if I was an Atlanta Falcons fan, yes, the Super Bowl loss hurt when they were up twenty eight to three and lost. And and come on, they lost in the Super Bowl, so of course that would mean more to any other fan. But I look at this game and the way that they lost. How did they lose this game? There's no way they should have lost this game. They were up two possessions with five minutes left and found a way to lose. Chicago Bears, week three, they played played our boy Jalen's team. He's going to say he's a Patriots fan. Don't listen to him. He really likes the Bears. All right, they lost 30-26 to 26 that game. Week four, they played the Green Bay Packers. Lost that game, 30-16. to 16. Week five, they lost to the Carolina Panthers. They lost that with 23-16. Week six, they kind of get things together, and and they beat the Minnesota Vikings forty to twenty three. Week seven, they lose twenty three to twenty two in gut wrenching fashion to the Detroit Lions. Wow, that's crazy. Following week on Thursday night football, they beat the Carolina Panthers twenty five to seventeen. The following week, they beat the Denver Broncos thirty four to seventeen. The following week, they were on their bye. They really needed that one. After that, they lost to the New Orleans Saints 24-9. to That was a game that I thought they had an opportunity to win. I remember talking during that week and thinking, hey, if Atlanta could write the ship, there is a way that they can possibly make the playoffs. Then the next week, they kind of confirmed uh, some of my thinking when they beat the crap out of the Raiders 43-6, who at that time we were thinking, hey, the Raiders might be a pretty doggone good team. After that, they lose their next five games. Their last remaining games on the schedule, they lose 21-16 to New Orleans. Should have won. Lost 20-17 to the Chargers. Should have won. Lost 31-27 to the Buccaneers. Should have won. Lost 17-14 to the Kansas City Chiefs. Should have won. And then that last game against Tampa, another one of those games that was closer than the score indicated, which was 44-27. They also had a chance to win that game. So when I look at the tail of the tape for the Atlanta Falcons, a couple of things stood out. Overall, they were 14th. And if you look at that number 14, 14 teams go to the playoffs. That should They should have been in a position to make the playoffs, yet they're going to have the fourth pick in the NFL draft. Uh, offensively, they were 8th. Defensively, they were 23rd. They got to get better on the defensive side of the ball. So as I uh, mentioned earlier, they got $33 million in the negative in cap space, a negative uh, well, $7.7 million in dead cap. And some of their potential losses I was looking at. Alex Mack is an unrestricted free agent. He's 36 years old. I don't know if he plans on playing. Uh, and if he does, it may not be in Atlanta. Or he, he might retire. Todd Gurley is an unrestricted free agent. Uh, he probably didn't give them the boom that they wanted this year. But Todd Gurley definitely showed flashes. I believe he had one game over 100 yards this season. Uh, Charles Harris is an unrestricted free agent. And I will explain what an unrestricted free agent means for, for people who don't understand what uh, the restricted free agent versus the unrestricted free agent and what all that means. So that'll be in a glossary later on. Keanu Neal, unrestricted free agent. Keanu Neal is a damn good safety, and he's only 25 years old. In free agency, as we talk about the Larry Brown theory, you all know what the Larry Brown theory is because we explained that the last episode. He's going to get paid. He's 25, he can play, and there's going to be a team out there who needs a safety, and they're going to show him the money. 
He's probably going to get paid over what his marketed value should be. But he's great safety. Uh, he's still on his rookie deal, and he, he deserves to be paid. Uh, Brian Hill is an unrestricted free agent. Uh, Bleedy Ray Wilson is a free agent, and also Justin McCray is an unrestricted free agent. So they, they have some things that they can address in the offseason to kind of fix this cap. Not saying that they, they, they might have, you know, a bunch of positive cap after it ends, but they will be able to alleviate a lot of that negative 30-30, uh, I'm sorry, negative uh, 33 million in cap space. So I was looking at some of the drive picks that the Atlanta Falcons have. Um, where they where they have them at, kind of what are they looking for? What are Mark Drafts saying about who are the Atlanta Falcons going after? Um, in the first round, they got the fourth pick. A lot of people are having them taking a quarterback with that fourth pick in the first round. This is a year to get a quarterback. Uh, at four, I don't know if it's worth it. I think you might be better off trading down and possibly getting, you know, more picks. I know they definitely need an uh, edge rusher because I do not see them taking uh, on that $18.5 million <laughs> contract by Dante Fowler. It just don't make sense. His stats don't equal up to it. His snaps played don't equal up to it, and he's terrible against the run. And when you use that 5, 6, or 7 technique, you need to be a little bit better against the run and be disciplined against uh, the run, especially with all the misdirection that goes on in the NFL. And it's uh, round two, they got the 36 pick. Not bad. Uh, round three, they got the 68th pick. Round four, they got the 105th pick. Round five, they got the 144th pick. Round five, they got the 178th pick. I guess fifth round, they're going to be a lot of compensatory uh, picks. That's why there's, like, additional picks in the fifth round. Round six, they got the 182th pick. Round six again, they got the 211th pick. Uh, round six, they got the 213th pick. And then round seven, they got the 225th pick. Um, so overall, they got a lot of picks. Um, actually, I, I want to say it's like at least ten picks that they have, uh, which is amazing, and it, and, it, and it doesn't get better than that. So I, I look at this Atlanta Falcons season, and I they left a lot of meat on the bone. They left an awful lot of meat on the bone, and I'm just looking at this team, and I'm like, was it coaching? We all know Matt Quinn got fired. But can it can it really be coaching? Was it play? Of of course, it's easy to blame the players. Or was it execution? I think it was execution, and I think a lot of times people take that for granted. When you're in the NFL, there's this thing that people like to say, and I hate when they say it. Oh well, they beat this team, so if we want to use this year as an example, they beat the New York Jets. That's an NFL organization. If you don't don't mistake it for for, for at all because the, the best players in the world are in the NFL. Some organizations are having a harder time than most, but even if you look at the New York Jets, I think they got one of the best safeties in the league in Marcus May. I've seen him play twice this year. Of course, I'm a Bills fan, and I watched him. I'm like, both times we played, well, the first time, definitely. The second time, I thought Stephon Diggs was the best player on the field. But the first time we played them, he was the best player on the field, even in a losing effort. So don't say that, oh, well, this team has an easy schedule. This team has a hard schedule. This, that, and the third. I think that's when we we try to look at things in an analytical aspect, but that's not analytics. That's not analytics at all. So I want to look forward to the 2021 Falcons offseason, uh, uh, next season schedule. 
They do play uh, uh, the home games they have are against the Philadelphia Eagles. They play the Washington football team, who may have an actual team named this upcoming season. I do like the Washington football team. Uh, they play the New England Patriots at home. They play the New York football Jets at home. They play the Carolina Panthers at home, Saints and Bucks at home. Of course, they're in that division. So all division teams, you play twice. You play once, uh, play them once at home and then once on the road. So the road games next year, they gotta come and play my Buffalo Bills. I'm sure me and Mona have a, a, a have a a, a a friendly bet on that one. Uh, they play the Dallas Cowboys. They gotta go back to AT and T Stadium and see if they can write that Week Two debacle where they lost forty to thirty nine. Uh, they play the Miami Dolphins in Miami. They play the Giants in uh, New York. So it's interesting. They they play the uh, Jets and the Giants. You know, one is home, one is on the road. They play the Carolina Panthers. Of course, uh, on the road, they play the Saints on the road, they play the Bucks on the road, they play the 49ers on the road. So a lot of these games, to me, you look at your home, your role opponents, and like most NFL fans, you start thinking of, okay, which teams can we beat? But when I look at the NFL schedules, a couple of things that cross my mind. Are we healthy when we play this team? What offseason accusations are we going to make or moves are we going to make when we play this team before we can even think about wins and losses also when are we playing this team if you playing buffalo in december in buffalo who wants to play buffalo in december it's too cold i mean as a bills fan i don't even want to go to buffalo past october the game i've been to <laughs> was in september outside of that man it's, it's too cold to play in buffalo uh, when will they be playing the New York Giants? I think the Giants are an underrated team, and I think they also underwhelmed this year. But if you, especially at the end of the season, but if you think what they were able to, to accomplish, if uh, Doug Peterson and the Philadelphia Eagles put their best foot forward, they probably could have beat the uh, WFT for the Giants to make the playoffs. But they're going to get Saquon Barkley back next year, so I think the Giants are going to be going to be a scary team in the NFC East. But. Out with the old, in with the new. Let's talk about our official playbook for the Atlanta Falcons to have a successful offseason in 2021. So, I thought Raheem Morris, I can't, I can't go on without saying, I thought Raheem Morris did an excellent job as interim coach uh, for the Atlanta Falcons. We've seen him being interim coach for, uh, for a few times now. Uh, the team definitely played with a little bit more heart up until the very end, and those last five losses were brutal. Uh, I can't omit that. But Arthur Smith is the new head coach for the Atlanta Falcons, and I thought that was a great hire. Uh, when I when I look at this past season, I look at the Tennessee Titans offense, the reason that Ryan Tannehill had so much success was because of the, the, the play action. I think Ryan Tannehill is one of the best play action uh, quarterbacks in the league. So, if I'm the Atlanta Falcons, what do we do with Matt Ryan? $41 million on the cap? Uh-uh. That's not going to work. Restructure, restructure, restructure. We're going to have to restructure that con uh, contract. Mr. Ryan, if you have any opportunity to end your career in Atlanta. Uh, I know a lot of times quarterbacks do. Look at Look at Jim Kelly for for instance. Uh, he yes, he played in the uh, UFL. Uh, forgot the name of the team. Uh, Houston something, but he played in the NFL his entire career with the Buffalo Bills. Look at quarterbacks like Troy Aikman. Troy Aikman played his entire NFL career 
with the Dallas Cowboys. And I thought that was very special to be able to play your entire career with the same team. I think a lot of us forget that Joe Montana played his last year in Kansas City. And it was a great year, by the way. I think he really wanted to prove that, hey, I still got it. Like Peyton Manning did in Denver. He was able to show the Colts, like, and win a Super Bowl. Hey, I still got it. It's what Tom Brady is trying to do this year. I think it's important to that your legacy that I played my entire career with one team. You don't see that a lot. You don't see that a lot. I mean, organizations these days aren't as loyal as they were back in the day. And the same thing could be said for the players. They're not as loyal as they were back in the day. So the first thing the Atlanta Falcons have to figure out, who's going to play quarterback? Who is going to play quarterback? So if it is Matt Ryan, they ha- that, that contract has to be uh, restructured. It has to be. There's no way they can afford a $41 million uh, uh, at the quarterback position on a cap. That is 23% of the team's cap. That's almost a fourth of the team's cap for your quarterback. And, yes, he produced. Does he deserve the money? That can be argumentative. But they either have to figure out a way to restructure his contract or they must move in a new direction, and a new direction being more than likely uh, a new rookie quarterback with that fourth pick that you're not playing as nearly as much. Their cap number this year will probably be somewhere around $2 million, if that. All righty. The next thing the Atlanta Falcons must figure out is are they keeping Julio? Julio's cap number is $23 million right now. So they can decide that they want to try to restructure. Knowing Julio, he's not going to restructure. So if they want to extend this contract so there isn't so much money on on the cap, he may be willing to do that. Uh, but <laughs> they, they, they got, some, they got some, some things they need to sort out. So here's what I would do. As great as great as um Matt Ryan played this year, it's time for him to go. It really is. They it, it, 41 million, yes, there will be dead cap associated with it, but that can alleviate uh especially if they cut him, I believe after June 1st, they can alleviate a lot of the the cap hit that they will take for that, but freeing up some of that negative 30 30 uh uh 33 million that they are in a hold. Julio Jones, what do they do with Julio? As I said earlier, try to restructure, give him an extension, try to figure this out because I think he still got a lot of gas left in the tank, especially with uh, Calvin really playing the way he played this year. Got to figure that out. So at running back, I, I really like Todd Gurley going to Atlanta, going back home, so to speak, played his college ball at Georgia. Uh, it, he, had, he showed flashes, but... At 3.5 yards to carry in a, in a, in a league of analytics, that, that's, that just doesn't get the job done. It doesn't. Not at 3.5 yards to carry. Carry on first, carry on second. Still on third down, it's, 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 it's third and three. He's gone. So they're going to have to definitely address that position via free agency or the draft. More than likely the draft because free agency players are paid way over market. So that will alleviate some of their money issues. Now, who do they want at quarterback? That is the question. I know a lot of people are saying the kid Luke Wilson from BYU. 
Some people are saying Justin Fields from Ohio State. I think best case scenario for Atlanta doing the draft, trade down. They have a lot of picks, acquire more picks, and then move up with all of those late round picks you have. They got three picks in a six uh, in a six round alone. They don't need all three of those. You can use those as opportunities to move up when there's a BPA that you really want, and you can go get them. Now, as far as how well I think the the Falcons would do in the 2021 season, I think they will fare well. I think the AFC South is one of the better divisions in football. Uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers will certainly be in the, the picture next year. With Drew Brees retiring, uh, po- well, possibly retiring, there's definitely some questions there. But I would be very wary of that. Everybody's talking about, well, well you know, Jameis Winston is a walking turnover this and a walking turnover that. And that may, may be very well true. But if there's anybody who I believe can be a quarterback whisperer, it's, it's Sean Payton. Because if we remember before Drew Brees got to New Orleans, he was the quarterback of the San Diego Chargers, and you see what they thought of him. They drafted, oh, yeah, that kid, number 17, from, from NC State by the name of Phillip Rivers. They took him. So that's how Drew Brees ended up in New Orleans. Uh, and Sean Payton was able to, you know, and not saying that Drew Brees, by any stretch of the imagination, isn't a good quarterback. He's a great quarterback, but I believe that him and Sean Payton both needed each other. And he's definitely a first ballot Hall of Famer. So don't think as an Atlanta Falcons fan, oh, Jameis Winston is the quarterback of the Saints. Oh, yeah. He going to throw us a couple of picks. Nah. Bro going to be ready next year. And, and believe you me. I thought that a lot of zip uh, wasn't there for Drew Brees this year. That's why with certain plays, if you think about the trick play in the playoff against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they had Jamin Winston come in and throw that, throw that thing, man. It was a beautiful pass. Beautiful pass. So I'm looking at this schedule, and I'm thinking that, okay, they're going to they're gonna make the right moves this year. Of course, they're going to lose some key personnel. Uh, some of them de- needs to be gone, like Dante Fowler. Uh, Keanu Neal will certainly be gone. Todd Gurley will be gone. I don't foresee Matt Ryan being there, and possibly Julio Jones. Now, I think Julio Jones is more fixable than Matt Ryan's is, but Matt Ryan, with that $41 million cap, unless they they can find a way to restructure, possibly, but I, I just don't see that happening. So, if I'm looking at this, I'm looking at this system that Arthur Smith is going to instill. He's going to find the running back he wants. Just imagine, imagine with me, visualize with me. Let's look up for a second. If the Atlanta Falcons are able to get somebody like a Najee Harris. Just think about it. He had Derrick Henry in, 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 in Tennessee. He's able to get a workhorse like Najee Harris, who's actually a three-down back. And if Julio's able to stay with Calvin Ridley, Russell Gage, I don't care who they got at quarterback. Their offense is going to be successful. Defensively, they got to find an edge rusher. I think that's the most important thing. Because I, I, I feel like they got some key pieces in their secondary. Yes, they're going to lose uh, uh, Keanu, uh, Keanu Neal. I think I've been calling the kid Keanu Reeves. <laughs> but Keanu Neal. Uh, but they need an edge rusher. You know Grady Jarrett is going to do his thing. They need an edge rusher. Also, they're going to need a quarterback. 
So um, my priority for the offseason as far as accusations, get rid of that Matt Ryan's contract, find an heir apparent for Matt Ryan, get a running back, specifically somebody like Najee Harris, somebody who can carry the ball 20-plus times a game, make the read for the incumbent rookie quarterback easy, simple, play action. Things will be wide open if you can run a rock the way you need to. Um, so... That is my offseason playbook for the Atlanta Falcons. I had a lot of fun. As promised, I'm going to give you the glossary and some of the things we talked about today. So one of the terms we started off today with is unrestricted free agent. So I told y'all that I would tell you all the difference between an unrestricted free agent and a restricted free agent. So we're going to start off with the restricted free agent. The restricted free agent is a player who's played with the same team for three years and their contract has expired. So with the NFL rules of a restricted free agent, um, let's say a different team offers that player a contract. The team that he is currently with have five days to either match that offer or give them a better offer. So that's what a restricted free agent is. An unrestricted free agent has been with the team, the same team, for four or more years and that contract has expired. So with that, with them being an unrestricted free agent, they can sign with whomever they like to sign with and the team that they were currently or was with previously cannot match the author so that's restricted free agent versus unrestricted free agent and you'll probably hear me refer to those as ufa and rfa just to make it simple so ufa unrestricted free agent rfa restricted free agent so when you hear those terms don't be afraid you already know what they are because i told you another thing we talked about today was the zero technique the zero technique is a defensive tackle who lines up directly over the center and so when we talked about the zero technique we were talking about grady jarrett um, uh, exactly, and I was saying that I think he's good at the zero technique, which is him. He's a defensive tackle lining up directly over the center. But what I think he's even better at is at the three technique. The three technique is a defensive tackle who lines up between the guard and the tackle. That is a three technique, and I think Grady Jarrett causes the most havoc at that three technique. Um, and then I think lastly we talked about the five uh slash six uh, technique, and that's what um, Dante Fowler is, and Dante Fowler also believe that the Atlanta Falcons will be getting rid of because they're not going to take the $18 million uh, salary on their cap this year. And he kind of, the five technique lines up kind of on the outside shoulder of the tackle. Um, six technique lines up directly over the tight end, and then you can have that seven or the wide nine <laughs> technique who lines out even further. And that's what Dante Fowler is, a pure edge rusher. But if you think about the production um, at that technique, he just didn't have enough production to be taken on that $18 million cap number. So we're going in alphabetical order. Y'all know I'm a Bills fan, circle the wagon. So the Buffalo Bills are up next. We're going to have an absolute ball during that episode. So for Levered Analytics, I'm your host, Lever KT. Always remember, keep it analytical.